0: Welcome back to another Valley Sports Plug Roundtable Live. It is April 6th, 2023, and I am all by myself tonight. I'm just kidding. Mike Michael Benjamin couldn't make it. BSP Tallman couldn't make it. So I got a couple of guests with me here to talk about the uh, basketball tournaments, some ASU stuff, some baseball stuff, really, whatever comes up. So joining me tonight, of course, you love them, you love them, Ben Miller and Ian my power's back on Kruver. What's up, guys?
1: How's it going, man? How you doing?
0: Pretty good. Pretty good. As well as Happy I can for back? Thursday night. Yeah, thank you guys for uh, hopping on with me here this evening. Um, Ben's cracking a cold one. I got a cold one. Mike turned me on to these Simply Spiked Lemonades. It's very oh, refreshing. you
2: mean my uh, Costco brand's sp- spicy water? Spicy water. <laughs>
0: No one does it better than Kirkland.
2: It can Kirkland. Kirk- That's a good Kirkland series. is the people's champ. Mm-hmm.
0: I'm not complaining. Anyway, let's go ahead and uh, get right into the topics we have slated, and then we'll see where the night takes us. Um, the tourney of champs, as Mike titled it here for us, it was UConn taking on San Diego State in a lackluster finale to the NCAA tournament. Uh, Double-digit victory by UConn. Ben, do you know the final score off the top of your head?
2: Uh, 59 San Diego State to 59 plus 19. So, 19 points. Yep. Se- 78. 59 78.
0: Oh wait, I didn't watch the game personally. Did either of you guys catch it? Hell yeah. I-, I, had I, a bas- I had a basketball game to play in that night. I didn't have time to watch other people play basketball. Mm.
1: <laughs> Ooh. Uh, yeah. I can't say I watched it either, but um I for one coming from the weird part of New York that had Yukon fans, I am a little happy to see Yukon go go that far. I don't think anyone expected them to. I know I think I had them getting knocked out in the Elite Eight on my bracket. But yeah, I think it was a year for upsets too. I mean everyone everyone's brackets got wrecked.
2: Oh yeah. Within, you know, as someone who actually follows college basketball year round, follows the transfer portal, follows all of these teams going into the tournament and thinking, you know what? I have a good grasp on this. I'm going to be perfect in in my brackets. So I'm going to join more than five or six money leagues and see how I do. And then ends up in last place after 20 minutes in every single pool. You know, it's, uh, Truly a wonder. Uh, so, you know, that for- people might say it's harder to pick every game wrong than every game right.
0: It's funny. Like, I, I totally agree. Like, it seems like me and a lot of people I know within that first, like, day, their entire bracket was damn near busted, especially by the end of the first weekend. But like you're onto something there. It seems like in like a couple pools I did, like a work pool and like people who have no idea even about sports and they're just like, "I like that one and that one and that one." They end up be doing better than than most people where I'm like sitting there analyzing it, looking at each matchup like, "Okay, they've won 5 straight. I think I think I like them. I think I like them." <laughs> yeah, and
2: I think that's a true testament to like the the madness of it. Like this is one of the most accessible and easy to participate in sporting events of of the entire calendar like everyone has the super bowl everyone has the nba finals playoffs stanley cup world series but there's nothing that compares to march madness the only thing i would compare it to is maybe the olympics with the just vast amount of games being played across all platforms all at once where it's just like wherever you turn your TV on the first weekend, you're going to find something. And it just happens to be for college hoops. So I think this, this also brings the question of like, it was, there were so many people that had these thoughts on, oh, well, it became a boring turn, tor- tournament near the end because none of these traditionally powerful teams actually made it to the elite eight where you had all of the, these upsets happening, but that's the fun part of it. You will, you, I want to see, and I may be just, just a masochist i want to see the 11 seed and the 6 seed facing off a national championship because there's no other sport in the ncaa or in general that can have that sort of matchup maybe like premier league with the relegation system but even then like you you don't see it and i think it is a true tournament and there's nothing else like it
0: without a doubt i mean it's just crazy because like all these teams obviously mostly play within their conference during the season, and then you have those like I think they're still considered D one schools, but like the uh, All American Conference or whatever it is, the USA Conference or whichever Conference um, USA Conference USA a there you
2: Conference go.
0: Yeah, the the one the that a uh, GCU plays in, like
2: hey that the Mississippi Valley Conference, they are coming up.
0: <laughs> Watch out. But it's, 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 what's crazy to me though, like bringing it local, I think, I think we might've talked about it already, but just the fact that the Arizona schools showed out so poorly and all got bounced within the first round. I mean, ASU won their play-in game and got to play a second game, which was cool, Uh, but they should have beat TCU, man. I know, I don't want to, you know, open any uh, healing wounds, Ben, but I'm sure, uh, sure you have some thoughts on that. Yeah, so, I mean, it was
2: definitely a season of ups, ups and downs. And, like, after the loss to TCU, it's in the, what, eight years now that Bobby has been, he's going into into his seventh or eighth year now, um, he has reached the tournament four times. So, this is the fourth time, but every single one of those has been through Dayton with the playing game. So, for for once, I would like us to see just getting that large bid or even possibly like win a conference championship, which I think should be like the attainable goal for us moving forward. And as we move into like, he's going into a two-year contract extension. So we have Bobby until 2026. uh, I think that that is something that we can work towards. Like if you look at other coaches that have been around, if they've gotten eight years and four tournament uh, appearances, when in the past decade or two decades, there hasn't been, really any success at that level that's a success but we looking at it it's just been so up and down watching the season where you have these highs of highs of beating kansas in 2017 and 18 beating u of a in tucson for the first time in bobby hurley's career on a buzzer beater at the end of the season that's these are insane things that really can prolong a coach's life there but i the main thing i want to see is hopefully like dan hurley his brother being the coach of UConn winning that national championship that can like rub off a little bit and we can see some more success in ASU.
3: Um
2: but I mean with all this news around the transfer portal you just have no idea how this roster is going to turn out in the next uh, in the next year until like probably around June or July.
0: Yeah, no it's, it's crazy I've already seen like I'm sure we, I want to watch this clip here real quick in a second. But yeah, I've already seen like players are entering the transfer portal, then backing out of the transfer portal. We got a four-star, a former four-star recruit in Kamari lands on his way over here. And it seems like it's kind of like a paradox. Like, it's, it's like that deal where it's like you have a, a job that you want to get, you require X number of years of experience. But it's like, how do you get that experience without getting the job? So it's like for ASU to land those recruits, they want to see like, this team making the the tournament, but it's like, how do you make the tournament without the best players? So, mm-hmm. almost having to find those diamonds in the rough. But Ben, you you sent us. Did you have something to say on that real quick? No, go for it. Okay, sick, sick. So you sent me this video of Dan <laughs> and Bobby Hurley coaching together, and uh, it seems like it was a little. Could you imagine?
3: The Hurley brothers coached together for three seasons, partnering as only they could.
0: This reminds me of when me and Mike coached together, some high school kids, man. Like, that's so usually one of us, one of us had to be like the, the voice of reason almost like, like, one of, And then they got to a point where it's obviously it's different in the in the higher levels, but in YMCA basketball coaching that they were they'd be like, coach only one of you can stand at a time. And so I'd be like yelling from the bench Mike's yelling from the sideline he's running up and down but man, it's so funny watching this clip how like similar their mannerisms are they're yelling the same thing. Ian, yeah, you no, read- it it's so funny. <laughs>
1: As a player, I'd be so scared to ask, but I'd I'd really be thinking the whole season, like, do
0: we really need two of the same person? (laughs) Well, that's probably why Bobby Hurley had to branch out and get his own gig at a certain point. Well, I mean, that's, that's the
2: funny thing, too. Like, learning more, like, as you go into, like, see the stories through March Madness of, like, the coaches, their families, where they came from. Like, the Hurley family overall is just, has now cemented itself with Dan's win as a if it wasn't before a legendary coaching family where their dad, Bob Hurley senior is what a 20 time, uh, state champion, high school state championship coach in New Jersey. Um, yeah, like absolutely legendary at St. Francis. That was the high school that, um, he coached at for 40 years. Um, but having that Bobby Bobby go, play at Duke, be the greatest point college point guard of all time, winning two national championships alongside Christian Leitner. And then now having Dan Hurley, who he played himself as Stephen Hall uh, in the big East, but not having the same success as his brother, but now finding at the largest stage for college basketball, a national championship too. So I think at every single level you have high school coach, college player, college coach in that family. So just seeing how that goes is just really impressive to see. And it's just really heartwarming overall. Um, Mm -hmm. But I don't know if you guys saw this there, Chris, you were talking about a bringing in, like finding those diamonds in the rough, finding those, how do you continue to build a program that has had fleeting success and then massive disappointments. Um, Like looking at the past few years of AC basketball, you see that when we played the five-star game, that, did not work when we had we had josh christopher um and and marcus bagley and it just i think that's was the worst season of asu college basketball in the modern era we had like a a game where we scored known for a team for offense 26 points total that season that was two years ago so coming back from that and just making making the tournament the next year this this year is impressive in itself but it's I want to see Bobby do some stuff that, uh, that Kenny Dillingham on the football side is doing where it's like, Hey, let's focus on some of these homegrown kids where Kamari lands. He went to Hillcrest prep. And then before he went to Louisville, Louisville, which I'm not sure if I'm the most uh, excited about Kamari because that Louisville team sucked. They were horrible. They were probably one of the worst power five conference teams in the entire country.
0: Yeah. I, I noted that he bolstered an impressive six points and two rebound average last season.
2: Coming off off the bench.
0: Yeah. So you can say you can slap the former four star recruit label on that, but at what at what point are you I don't know.
2: You know, I, I think it's it's a lot in the system, too, that he gets put in. And I think that Bobby is creating a good, positive system. But, I mean, even an hour ago, one of our star uh, defensive players, Devin Cambridge, just announced, after he announced, saying that he was going to run it back and return for his senior year, that he is entering the transfer portal. So oh. it's looking like it's going to be a uh, 50-50 new, and retur- new versus returning roster next year, too. Yeah,
0: I mean – that doesn't necessarily though mean that he will transfer, right? Because he still has to field, you know, offers from and other schools.
2: The the announcement looked like it was like, hey, thanks for everyone for your time. I'm at, I'm entering the transfer portal. It was a uh, clean cut. I'm I'm going to test my waters in it. Not not or it was not. I'm going to go and test my waters. It was a thanks for the memories. Peace, peace
0: out. <laughs> yeah. Was he a was did his brother also play? Yeah. So us?
2: Dez Cambridge is the one who hit the game winner against. Mm-hmm. Uh, U of okay. A and was like our one of our leading scorers and just all around baller. They were, they were awesome together. Uh, Devin, great defensive player did get in foul trouble a lot overall, um, really inconsistent from the field, but just was good to have as someone who will go and fight for those balls and fight and get, and get them a lot of times. But yeah, it's disappointing to see a player announce it and then say, nevermind, which I think it possibly could have something to do with that. Kamari Lance, uh, since they were both forwards, so
0: who knows? Yeah, that makes sense, but it's like I like we're we're talking about his stats from last year or this last year or whatever, and him being a former four star crew and that Louisville team being awesome. It's like this not awesome. Rather, do you think that like he could have competed and like outdone him, or you feel he maybe might have felt like it would have just taken some of his playing time, even if he was starting? You know, these are.
2: The interesting part is that right now we have the NCAA rule where, you know, we're approaching a time where half the players in the league do have a extra COVID year, or we're coming to the part where we're having those fifth year, possibly even sixth year guys from either redshirting plus the COVID year from when everything got shut down. So the NCAA already did issue a one-time transfer rule where a player can go and transfer one time, no questions asked, and be fine. For him, he already transferred in from Auburn last year, the previous year. So going between three schools in three years, that could be a little bit more, uh, could be not what the NCAA was expecting and a little bit more of a crackdown. So if even if he's allowed to transfer, I would be,
0: interested to see, like, what their answer is for that. Oh, oh I'm muted. Shit. Um, there it is. There he is. So we're talking about the men's tournament and ASU more specifically, but wanted to shift, uh, bring Ian back into the fold here. Uh, of course, neither him nor I watched the men's tournament, but Ian, did you happen to catch the ladies tournament?
1: No, but I did see the end of, <laughs> I did see the end of that, Final game. Um, since you know people were making, yeah, they're freaking out about all that. Um, which, which is
2: the dumbest thing ever, too, right? Like I, the yeah. the player that she was doing it to was doing it all all season, all tournament to every single person that she did for dumped forty on.
1: Yeah, yeah. I'm, when when you're at that point in the game, when what were they up by like thirty by the time that mm-hmm. the girl did like do your thing, like. <laughs> You're only going to get to that spot once in your life. Uh,
0: yeah. You know, at
1: most so, – or not at most, but just just celebrate, man. I don't know.
0: <laughs> like, just, it's, I
1: don't, yeah. The,
0: my only two cents on it – like, I have no problem with it. Like, obviously, was it Caitlin Collins was the – Caitlin the, Clark. Caitlin Clark, excuse me. Sorry. So she was obviously doing all that stuff. And so it's like if you you got to be able to give it and take it. I, I just felt like it was a little tacky the way she followed her around the court for 20 seconds. Like it's like, okay, do it. Goes like go celebrate your team. Whatever. But no, I had no problem with it. Like it's fine. But what's crazy is this this title from the, the New York Times, uh, or headline rather, the NCAA women's tournament shatters right Ra- ratings records in final the average 9.9 million viewers for Louisiana state topping Iowa was significantly more than the previous record of 5.7 million for the NCAA women's tournament achieved in 2002 when, uh, Connecticut won. is this correct me from wrong, Ben. Is it the, is it true that the women's tournament had higher views than the men's tournament?
2: Oh, absolutely not. Oh, okay. No, the, the women's tournament had that 9.9 million mark at peak, uh, which is just shattered their records for, uh, Record viewership of the championship game. The men's tournament had the record low number.
0: Oh, okay. But That's what do you was want thinking. to
2: guess at what number of millions people tuned in for that?
0: For the men's tournament? Yep. Do you for have the championship. Do you have the number in front of you? Oh, yeah. Oh, uh, based off what you're saying here, I'm going to say 17 and a half million.
2: You have the number in front of you as well? Because that is it. Woohoo!
0: I actually. No, oh, I surprisingly I think I saw it earlier in the day or something maybe. So as bad as my memory is, maybe I pulled it out. <laughs> what was the uh yeah. what was like the I guess high though for the men's tournament?
2: Um I I'm not exactly sure what the high the high was or if there was a specific game that had the high. Um but it did average around like nine point five million across like every single game, <laughs> like from Like, if you take the average from championship to whatever it was.
0: So, uh, why do you guys think that is, though, that, like, the, I guess, starting with the women's tournament, why do you think it did, like, as best as it ever has? Is it because of Caitlin Clark and how she had dropped 40, a 40-point triple-double? Or is it just, like, that it was a good matchup with her and the the LSU team? Because I don't know.
1: What do you think, Ian? I have a complete blank, but what I do know is that women's basketball in college at the college level is watched a lot more than it is at the professional level. So, I, I, what I want to ask you, Ben, is really like how much of a margin is it from the last record that they had? Was it like shattered or was it kind of like, like almost so- doubled? So that in, in that New York, New York Times article, it was
2: around uh, five point seven was the previous record, and this this top nine point nine. So it is like insane, and I think for the women's, I think it has been increasing year by year with more interest, and especially uh, in talks of equity and like and access for it too. Where it's like mm-hmm. why why did, w- previously the women's tournament would be like the week after. The men's tournament and just completely or during the week or just not aligned with it, with it at all and there's been steps taken to really either put the final four in championships and make them aligned where it's the same weekend and where like you have men going these days women going these days uh at least overlapping so that you could have some of that shared viewership of it too um which i think for this year showed that that was a immense success but then also having these characters that you can go through and look at the content and be like, Holy crap, that is good ball being played with the, with watching Caitlin Clark, which with watching uh, LSU play with having the stories of UConn and having 11 national titles in women's college basketball. It is just, it was a much better product and I think better produced overall than it had been in previous years now looking at the men's and like oh this they'll say this was a a down year that the product wasn't the same and the main thing that you look at is at the start of the tournament what people tune in for is the upsets and we were our cup runneth over in those upsets for the first that first weekend but then once you hit that first weekend get to the sweet 16 elite eight what people want to see at that point is who can carry TV numbers. So they want the blue bloods. They want the, the known quantities that are going into that final four championship, which will have the highest numbers, which it's no surprise that the highest recorded game was Duke, uh, UNC in the final four last year. Like that just shattered everything because of coach K's last year and that, that rivalry. Um, but that's the thing, too. Like, people don't want to see a Florida Atlantic versus San Diego State in the Final Four. They want to see that far- further back. But I mean, me being Damascus, like, I love it. I want to see – I would love to see a 50-point game of college basketball where it's just a rock fight at the highest level.
0: Yeah. No, that's a good point. I mean – it just kind of sucks like we were talking about at the top of the the stream here is like a 19 point win in the championship game is kind of boring. So I imagine maybe there were people that tuned in early and kind of saw the writing on the wall and just like, ah, I see where this is going. No really reason to watch it because. I love that about the tournament is the close games, the buzzer beaters, having the best of the best, you know, go head to head, especially when it comes to the the final matchup. And we did have some close games like throughout the tournament, like that, that ASU TCU game was pretty close. Um, there were others that I can't think of off the top of my head, but. That pr- Princeton, Arizona game was pretty close. There you go. Yeah. So <laughs> there's always next year, as they say.
2: There's always next year. And, you know, we were a um, North, we were a few, like two or three shots away from NAU also making the tournament as well because they were in the Big Sky uh, Conference Championship game which the Big Sky is only going to send one team. It's the Big Sky. Yeah. Um, and they, they ended up losing too. So Arizona could have been the only state to have all of its D1 teams be in the NCAA March Madness tournament.
0: That would have been absolutely nuts, man.
2: Which, I mean, all... Four of them would have lost the first
0: round <laughs> anyway. But do you know off the we're top talking about
2: representation?
0: Exactly, hundred percent. Do you know off the top of your head which team from the Big Sky made the tournament?
2: I think it was like Montana State.
0: Oh, boo. <laughs> well, enough about college basketball. Twenty-five minutes in, let's uh, bounce over to this next topic. Get Ian a little bit more involved here. Um, I know he loves it when we talk arizona state football and basketball we can always talk about st john's and rick patino going uh
2: back to power five coaching
1: that's actually awesome i didn't know that that happened and i might watch st john's next year (laughs) um but yeah let's talk baseball
0: (laughs) (laughs) excellent excellent uh, this first topic I want to start on uh, and kind of see where it takes us is kind of one that hit me personally in this last week. So I'm pulling this up here this article from AZ Central. Uh, Arizona Diamondbacks fans fuming over limited Valley Sports, Arizona TV, and streaming options. Um, I thought that because I bought accident well okay so here's my story about a month ago i wanted to watch some suns games and i don't have cable or satellite at my house so i was like oh bally's has this streaming service twenty dollars a month i'll pay for one month see how it goes um watch some suns games and maybe diamondbacks games when it starts and so been watching suns games and i meant to cancel it but I, i ended up renewing for a second month because i forgot to cancel it everyone everyone's been in that dilemma before but i go one night i think it was opening day or the second game i go to watch the diamondbacks game and it's nowhere to be found on the streaming app and as this article points out you can watch it through their app but you have to sign in through your cable provider so if you just have their streaming their 20 dollar a month streaming service you can't watch diamondbacks games and so it's pissing off a lot of fans man i mean i, I obviously cancel finally canceled my subscription so it'll be over i think the beginning of may or whatever but Ian, as a maybe uh you adopted the d-backs as your second team now i don't know but does this kind of like does this piss you off like not being able to catch the games at all
1: absolutely dude like i like, the only reason that i haven't i i, I can't say 100 percent with conviction that i have adopted the diamondbacks as my number two team is i can't watch them I live fifteen minutes from the stadium. I can't see a game without going there. Like, it's it's ridiculous, man. Um, I I didn't know you had to sign into a cable provider and do all that either. Um, I did know that they're only streaming one hundred and fifty nine games. Like, they're not even streaming every every Diamondbacks game. And and right, it to to have these restrictions in twenty twenty three is it's just insane to me. Like we gotta be done with Bally. I know their their days are numbered with uh filing for bankruptcy anyway, but really I, I've seen talks where Rob Manfred is 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 debating what to do now that Bally or Fox Sports or whatever the, the parent company is called, uh that's falling under. Um there's there's talks about buying regional sports networks to either add local a local option to mlb.tv um or just just come out with some kind of alternative so that people can watch their home teams because it's it's insane that I I mean we shouldn't be have to we shouldn't be forced to sell out shell out like eighty dollars a month to watch teams that we're right next to and yeah uh yeah, I'm trying to figure out how to set up a VPN in the meantime. I don't know what else <laughs> to do. It's yeah, it's truly like, you know, it it's
2: it both stinks and is like good that Bally Sports. I think overall it's probably a good thing that Bally Sports is uh going to declare bankruptcy and be broken up because it seems almost like a dumb idea not to go and like break it apart and make, have the MLB come in and say, okay, each team or each team even say, Hey, I I am going to go and we are going to make a package that every single game of ours, if you are a like, let's say Diamondbacks fan, you can go and get your full, like every single game Diamondbacks through this subscription to us. That would be successful. For every single one of these teams, because the teams, it's national now, you're not going to have just the local fans, you're gonna have people who have moved away moved around, that may or may not even have a, a national sports franchise in their town in their state in their metro area that can go and actually participate in this. So it needs to be more accessible through streaming and not just through streaming, if you have a cable membership as well, too.
0: Yeah, it's just it's absolutely ridiculous. And I was trying to find a way to reiterate what a video I saw earlier, but then I was like, you know what, why don't I just share the video I saw earlier. And I know uh, TikToks are bad or whatever, but um, that's where I saw it. So that's where we're going to watch it. This guy (laughs) just fucking nails it.
3: I can't believe this. We're not America's pastime anymore. The kids these days, they just don't have enough attention span to watch good baseball. You know what? We should make the game shorter. Hey, MLB, young baseball fan here. So I've got a ton of time on my hands now that I'm not in school. And, you know, I want to get the whole thing. So give me the package where I can watch all of the baseball games. This is great. Uh, We can give you a package with 27 out of the 30 teams. Oh, um, okay. Uh slight issue with that though is that, you know, one of the teams you're blocking out is the Braves and you know, that's kind of the whole reason why I'm doing this. So uh, there's not really much we can do about that one. You're gonna have to go talk to Bally there. Yeah, Bally Sports here. How can we help you today? <laughs> hey, Bally, so I'm a huge Braves fan, but, you know, I don't live in Atlanta anymore. Can I just, like, pay you guys so I can watch all these Braves games? Ooh, you don't live in Georgia, but you still live in a surrounding state. That's tough for you, buddy. Uh, I hate to break it to you. We actually have zero packages for you. Okay, Um, so you don't want my money. Uh, that's great. How how am I supposed to watch Braves games here? Here's what you could do. And if you're actually a real Braves fan, you'll do this. Uh, first thing, I need you to cancel your YouTube TV subscription. Just completely get rid of it. And I need you to subscribe to a service that's not only inferior, but it's also $30 a month more. On top of that, I need you to also subscribe to our sports package so you're paying even more on top of that. And then you'll be able to watch the Braves games maybe, sometimes.
0: And that's, that's truly how I feel. And like for someone like Ben, who doesn't live in Arizona anymore, like is it even possible for you to watch Diamondbacks games if they're not nationally televised?
2: Uh, Yeah. It's called going to, on May 4th and 5th to Texas Rangers stadium uh, when <laughs> the Diamondbacks are in town.
0: <laughs> Hell yeah. Well, at least that's uh, happening it, earlier in the season.
3: Right.
2: Uh, which I'm very, very much looking forward to going to uh, one of those games uh the rangers have a new stadium it's only two years old it's beautiful and it's a dome so it's covered now which is amazing um but no it's it's absolutely horrible and you run into the same things with i hate to go back to college sports but with like the pac-12 network or these other individual networks that don't have the same national access even online to view than uh anyone else so just like allow us to watch the games. We are fans who will pay money for the games if it's not unreasonable.
0: Yeah. Ian, when, in watching that video, do you agree with that fans assessment where it's like people want to blame like, oh, the kids these days, their attention span, we're making all these changes to the rules to accommodate that? Or do you think it is kind of like how difficult it is to watch? And, and to add my perspective a little bit is like, for me, like I said, I don't have cable. Like I feel like everyone, like their parents, bought cable or satellite. But now I, I don't know a lot of people who do that anymore.
1: Yeah, I think it's a little bit of both. Like I, I feel for that dude being a Braves fan because when you look at the sports market for the Atlanta Braves, it's the entire South minus Florida and Texas. It's so it's so big. Um, it's it's seriously like five states. Um. Maybe more. Is there an MLB team in North Carolina? No. In Tennessee? No. They have the Nashville Sounds. It's the closest thing they have, which is minor league. It's the, so the, the closest games, the the
2: only teams in the in the South, like the the South South, right? we we can define Texas as, as its own thing.
1: Yeah, like and South. Yeah. The
2: the Braves, the Rays. And the, the uh Marlins.
1: The Marlins. Yep. There you go, Ben. Yeah, there you go. Look like look at how much ground is wow. covering. It's it's insane. Saint Louis, maybe you can consider, I guess. I don't, S- I don't know. Cincy looks like it's
0: gonna be, be a red bonus. fan.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um but the other side to that coin is people saying kids these days have no attention span, yada yada. Baseball doesn't need to be 3 hours long, man. I like fuck right off with that uh, that argument. I I I I I can't with people arguing for tradition and all that stuff. Like things do need to change in order to stay relevant, you know what I mean? It those kinds of arguments remind me of like how it must have felt to hear arguments against the 3-point line back in the 80s. <laughs> like it just no, things have to change. Like it, you have to stay Keeping things interesting—it can't be the same, the same things over and over again. So I, I, I am for the pitch clock. I'm for the the, um, what was the other rule? The, the making the bases bigger. That's make that. Bigger. That's all good. Um, make, make them even bigger. They're still too small. <laughs> I want to see comically large bases. Like they—they're able to lay down flat, and the entire base is like under their body. Like, I want to see them roll their ankle if they hit the base the wrong way. <laughs> so, so sh- taller bases.
2: <laughs> oh, yeah.
0: <laughs> Where they just walk up, they lean up against it. They don't have to stand on the bag.
2: Yeah, it's, it's more like a
0: pillar. Like a pillar. Yeah, it's like a podium. Mm, that could be is. interesting. It reminds me of, like, Canadian football, how the goalpost is on the goal line. So, someone, like, yeah. cranks a line drive, it hits off second base, then pegs the like, shortstop <laughs> in the head. <laughs> That could get real interesting, real fast.
2: You know, I, I think that the the pitch clock too is like, like Ian, you were saying, is like we need to have these innovations in how the game is played and like how it's like produced overall. But that needs to also catch up with the partners that are showing the games too. Like how do people watch it as well? And if you're not, if you're doing one and not the other, then the changes that you're making aren't going to have the same effects that you think that they're going to have. Uh, all this to say is that the 999
1: challenge is becoming a lot more difficult with the pitch clock. <laughs> I sent that to Mike the other day. The, I just found out about the 999 challenge.
0: Okay. What is the 999 challenge?
1: Nine hot dogs, nine beers over nine innings. You have to have a beer and a hot dog for each inning.
3: <laughs>
0: oh, man. That's pretty good. That sounds expensive, though.
1: Really, it's the hot dogs that I think would would do me in like i I, I think I could do it yeah. beers no problem we have to remember
2: that the beers at a at a at a ballpark specifically they're like they're the twenty four ounce ones
1: yeah, they're the tall boys Typically, if, I'm, yeah. if it's if it's bud light, no problem. it'll be gross, but I can stomach it. yeah, you're I'm not gonna be able to do that with like a Modelo or a corona no,
0: yeah, no I mean. I haven't been to a D-backs game in a couple years, but I imagine they, they still have, like, the 16-ounce, like, cheap beers, pretty sure. The value beers,
1: oh, yeah. I think so. Yeah, the yeah. value beers.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: They're only, like, six bucks, I think. You're the word last time I went. It's been a while. Yeah,
0: yeah, it's something like huh? that. But we're, we're talking about the pace of play and some of these new rules. Uh, we did talk about it in our baseball live stream last week. Uh, this kind of ties into the Valley because uh, – the Diamondbacks were playing, but this was Manny Machado t- taking a uh
3: breaking balls, three-one breaking balls, even breaking balls at time. That's a strikeout. There's a violation. Ron Culpa just rung up Manny Machado.
0: Did you see this, Ian? Earlier this week. I did, I did yeah.
3: Happens to be strike three. Here comes Bob Melvin. Ron Culpa, the cruise chief. Behind what the- I hate about this clip. And, somebody's been and John John Boy Media
0: posted on Twitter, but they don't really show the at bat. But I, it seems like he just ended hangs on a long time, and then he tries to call for the time. The I think they're going to show it. Like Wait we'll a sec. Yeah, probably. And we're definitely getting copyrighted already, but them. that's okay.
1: Machado at the end of spring training came out and said, "Like, I am definitely going to be violating the pitch clock. It's 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 going to happen." Um, he's always been kind he's of a banging dick. his
0: shoe. He's tightening yeah. his gloves. He's calling for time, and the ump's like, "Nope, fuck you, you're out." Yeah. And Zach Gallen's just like, "All right, he's out. We're done." <laughs>
3: <That's->
1: Zach Gallen's just <laughs> happy not to pitch to him. Um. Oh, dude, I bet Diamondbacks won Butter. that game, and in that, that play is a key reason why. Uh, getting getting Machado out of there, like really in the first attention. inning too.
0: I think that <laughs> mm-hmm. it was right. Yeah.
1: First or second. Cool. Yeah. I'm not sure. Really early on though. Um, Yeah. Manny Machado said like, you know, I'm, I'm a guy that I, I mess with my equipment between pitches. So I'm definitely going to be violating the pitch clock. Like he, he knew it was going to happen. Um,
0: He just, dude has a temper, man. <laughs> yeah. It. Just scrolling through those comments on that Twitter post, it seems like this is going to be a polarizing topic as the uh, as the year goes on, because some people were arguing like, oh, he was calling for time, and then someone else pointed out, well, the umpire doesn't have to grant it. Like, when you, and like, I'm not, obviously I'm a Diamondbacks fan, I'm not going to be on Manny Machado's side here, but when you're banging your cleats, you're leaning back, you're touching your dick, you're tightening your gloves, it's like, you know how much time you have, like adjust accordingly, especially like, it's not like this just started a week ago. They did it all throughout spring training too.
1: Yeah, for sure. I agree with that. Um, I, I agree with what, what you said about the, the umpire doesn't have to grant it for sure too, because Manny Machado is a guy that bumps heads with umps a lot. And Ron Culpa is, he's he's like the scott foster of umps man like he 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 starts shit with players constantly so it's everyone's an asshole in that video um yeah but i i do expect to see machado do that again for sure with with an ump that doesn't have such a reputation as well too
0: yeah i'm sure i'm sure he will like it'll it'll be a point of contention but it's like you're either gonna adjust or or it's just going to keep happening because they're not if everyone else is falling in line and obviously he's not going to be the only one called out you know on on strikes but that could be that could like be kind of crazy i mean that was in the first inning and he ended up getting ejected for for talking back but what if it what if that was like the bottom of the ninth and, and there was a runner on and then he gets called strike out third out on a pitch clock violation like that's when I think things could be spicy. And I know, I think it was Raymond when we were doing our uh, MLB preview kind of was having that concern as well. And I just don't think, I don't think we're going to be able to have that conversation until we, excuse me, have an example of that happening. But so, so far, have you seen any of the other new rules implemented have an impact on games you've been seeing or highlights you've been seeing?
1: Um, I can say that the pickoff rule that, uh, Raymond was highlighting last time we were, he, he was on, um, that one has, I think that's changed the game more than anything because uh, Yankees have a player named Anthony Volpe. He's a rookie. You'll, you'll definitely hear that name leave my mouth more as the season goes on. Cause he's fucking awesome. But, um,
0: oh, my fantasy team.
1: Oh, hell yeah. I'm, I was, gonna look and see if anyone picked him up yet but yeah he's a beast um (laughs) stolen base machine um and it's because of that pickoff rule he knows after the second third Mm -hmm. attempt like he's he's going and um to to bring it back to arizona the diamondbacks have been capitalizing on it a lot they don't have a lot of power on their lineup so they're they're beating people on the base paths they had a game again one of the games against the Padres it might have been that Manny Machado one they had seven stolen bases in that game combined with uh Diamondbacks and Padres and Diamondbacks had about five of them so it's 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 guys that I like you don't see hitting a lot too like uh Geraldo Perdomo and um Jake McCarthy and and and, and guys like that that you know can run their problem was always getting on base and now that they're on base and they have an easier time trying to steal it's, it's helping them a lot. And I, I, I think that's a big part of the reason why they're going 500 against, you know, teams that they're usually written off playing.
0: Absolutely. And that's kind of what we were talking about too. You know, Talman was mentioning his optimism that the Diamondbacks would be able to go 500 or better and it, they're pacing, you know, in that direction, I know it's way too early. Obviously, we're just into the second week now, but here's the the way too early standings for where everything is at. And um, we were talking before we launched here about the Tampa Bay Rays being the only undefeated team left in baseball. Of course, they can't stay undefeated, but they've only played so far the Detroit Tigers and the Washington Nationals, who you can see are a combined three and eleven. So obviously six of those losses come in courtesy of the Tampa Bay Rays. And it's funny because their schedule doesn't get any more difficult. They take on the Oakland A's next, who you can see is currently two and four. But what I do want to highlight here uh, is that the Diamondbacks are 500. They're three and three. And so far they've had a tough slate, man. It's been the Dodgers and the Padres. And then I think now they're playing the Dodgers again. So as, as those are games that they're, that are going to be clutch for them to win, especially early in the season. Those are going to be two tough teams, division rivals. So, I, I I like their chances, Ian. Do you think Tallman still has reason to be optimistic about going five hundred or better? Five hundred or better,
1: sure, yeah. Like they can they can definitely be a five hundred team. Like my stance with the Diamondbacks right now is it's it, not impossible for them to be in contention for the wild card, but it shouldn't be the priority. They should be more, more focused on developing their young guys and making them better for when they do have you know stronger players in the spots that they're weak in currently their starting rotation still needs work and their bullpen needs work um they need to get those two things fixed before they even think about sniffing the wild card but 500 yeah they can definitely do 500 like I, i'd almost i don't want to say i expect it but especially now after seeing them play the dodgers and the padres and you know their starting pitching is pretty ass the, these first couple of games. Like Gallon hasn't been good. No, uh, Merrill Kelly's getting his ass kicked as we speak. Um, and those are their two best guys. Like you, you, sh- you don't expect anything out of Bumgarner at this point. And their four and five is a crapshoot. You don't know who those are going to be. Like it could, they, they're going to be calling dudes up and sending them down as they as they go. So even with those question marks, they're still at 500 and it's against two of the best teams in the league. So yeah, I don't, I don't think Cody's wrong at all to be optimistic from what I've seen.
0: That's, that's one thing that's so tough. You mentioned the pitching there. Like I'm glad you highlighted that because they really, if they want to be thinking about a wild card, thinking about, you know, being competitive in this division, we have to get better pitching, not only starting pitching, but bullpen pitching. I mean, in that first game I think it was against the Padres this Ryan or Rain Nelson guy pitched five innings and gave up three three earned runs and I think it was back-to-back home runs he gave up as part of that and that was a 5-4 game so if we just had a better start to that game I mean obviously could have would have should have but seems like if a better pitcher was in that starting slot that we could have won that game and then be in a different position obviously it's way early there's a lot of games left. Um a lot of things that could happen, but it's just man, it's so disappointing. I think Tallman even texted me, like, this motherfucker just gave up two back to back home runs. He needs to be cut tomorrow. And it's just like it's not always that easy because the guy coming up behind him might be worse. And that's terrifying.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's it's one of like that that's gonna be the game is try and guess who's ready until until they get a free agent or make a trade or something and i mean make getting a free agent is going to be tough because you already have madison bumgarner on that giant fucking contract and ken kendrick does not want to spend man so it's what do you it's, it's rocking a hard place with that with that uh,
0: contract you know what i mean hmm yeah ben you're our boots on the ground i just want to know uh you know, boots on the ground in, in Dallas and in Texas. Yeehaw. yeehaw. Ye But how is I know the, the the Rangers made some moves in the offseason. They're supposed to be a little more competitive. What's the what's the feeling like out there in Texas as far as is your team this year?
2: You know, um, don't you dare call them my team. First off. <laughs> uh but you know, I, I don't I fo- I don't follow baseball too much. Like if the Rangers and D-backs play like every two years, like once every two years uh, in the regular, like and kind of come out here, and I make a point to go. Um, but like seeing some of the games so far this year, the Rangers have had a really good start. Like there was that one game where they were up like, it was like 11 to
3: two uh,
2: against someone really bad. Um, but it was just, that's the kind of thing that's getting people excited, excited here. So people are taking notice. Um, I've heard a lot more, People talking about the Rangers with positive light than in previous years where it's been like, oh, did you see how the Rangers did? Uh. Um, but yeah, yeah, things are things are looking positive. So we'll just see what happens.
0: There you go. Could be fun to be part of that ride. I mean, uh, Jacob Degrom is a good pitcher. I am seeing here now. It looks like on the first there on Saturday they beat the Phillies sixteen to three in an absolute oh, walloping. <laughs> but it's funny before that the night before or maybe two yeah two days before they beat the phillies 11 to 7 so they're putting up double digits consistently and the phillies are having a rough start but they got some talent on that roster i mean i'm i'm if if there there's sometimes you know players you can be a fan of and i'm kind of i'm a trey turner fan i I like that guy you know
2: they're playing to base play baseball too no matter how bad the
0: team is it's true no excuses Anyway, we'll keep in, we'll keep tabs on uh, on the MLB as this season rolls on. A uh, long season ahead of us. Um, last thing I did want to mention, though, Ben, I don't know if you saw, did you see that the MLB changed it up where every team is going to play every team now? Really? Yeah. So you don't have to wait a couple years to see the D-backs. I mean, maybe every other year now you'll be able to see them roll through town, depending on how the schedule shakes out.
2: Well, that is great to hear.
0: Right? It only makes sense. I mean, all the other sports do it i don't know why i muted myself there um <laughs> like obviously well football doesn't obviously because they you can't have 30 games in a season but yeah yeah but if you have o- over
2: 150 games in a season you can probably afford to play every single team of in the 37 teams that there are
0: logic the would suggest game. you are correct ben was 100, 182 no 162 games Ian. well no, how many how many yeah teams 62 30 30 32 i think 32 just 30 just 30 yeah
2: yeah easy you
0: can play every team three times boom so we do have to talk about the nba here the season is ending (laughs) and you again you're, you're there in dallas and i hope you're rubbing it in to all those mavericks fans who are probably crying as their team is about to miss the playoffs entirely Did they uh, beat the Bulls? Uh, I was just pulling up the standings here. uh... That's uh,
2: Friday night. Tomorrow night.
0: Oh, they play tomorrow night? Okay, so they have to beat the Bulls. And they needed some help from uh, the Thunder, right? The Thunder need to lose or something like that? Yeah, so
2: they're competing against the Thunder. Uh, Thunder is currently 10th in the West. The Mavs are currently 11th. Mavs, have they both have two more games left. Um, Mavs have the Bulls tomorrow and then the spurs on sunday while the while the thunder has the jazz that is sitting half the roster on friday
0: mm, they actually and played then, them they played the jazz tonight and and beat the jazz
2: oh so they just beat the jazz okay
0: yeah so they just have one game left against the memphis grizzlies it looks like
2: yep so it's we'll we'll find out find out on sunday uh, if the Mavs are making it, if the Mavs sweep the next two, then it's going to be a tiebreaker, I guess, between them and and, and if this, uh, Oklahoma City wins next two. Hmm. But, you know, you would think that Oklahoma City would try to drop this next one to better secure their, uh, their, their chances talk. of Victor, <laughs> Wembe, Victor Wembenyama. Yeah, but but you know that's risky. What that is risky, but for what Dallas paid to get Kyrie Irving, they did what? Um, they traded Dorian Finney Smith and
0: oh yeah, what was that trade?
2: Spencer Dinwiddie,
0: Dinwiddie and Spencer right.
2: Dinwiddie plus um of a, a lot of trade capital or a draft capital to the uh, to Brooklyn to secure that for less than a full year of Kyrie. And he's going into a free agency contract this coming off season. So like by all accounts, a Cuban came out and said that he's like, yeah, we're planning on signing Kyrie again, like to a more long-term contract. So we'll see what happens. But this cannot be seen any other way than an absolute disaster for the Mavs. And has like we've seen on the news like Luca already talking about his discontentment, saying like this is not fun anymore for me. Yeah. It's just music to my ears. It's beautiful. And, you know, I am knocking on wood saying that like that laughing at the Mavs when we are in a very close situation to that where I we're going to be making the playoffs like easily we're, we're the number four spot but like the moment Durant like rolls his ankle or is breathed out the wrong way like we could be right back at square one too
0: yeah i was, ta- I was talking to mike uh and i think it was in our last recap we put out on youtube yesterday is that it's just like that palpable nervousness of Suns fans where whenever Kevin Durant even like goes down or stumbles a little weird, we're all kind of holding our breath. Like, "Uh, is he hurt? Is he hurt? And it's like, we're already that way with Chris Paul where he seems fragile and and not able to make it through a playoff run. So it's like when you have two guys like that, that you have to worry about. And I mean, this probably might not be fair, but even Devin Booker has been known to miss a game or two here and there with a little tweak or, or something. So it's 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 nerve wracking but you gotta know that like every team kind of deals with that to some extent as far as the injuries go i did want to mention something about luca there you said uh, he came out and said that it's just not being you know fun anymore and it's hard for me to have sympathy for luca the way he just cries and whines and acts on the basketball court but there's an off the court issue of his that I've been hearing a little bit about. um I don't know if you know this, Ben, but he ha- was in an ongoing lawsuit with his own mother. I guess when he was younger or first entering the league, he gave her the rights to his brand, basically. So she owned his brand name, like Donchich or Luca One or whatever. And he obviously is blown up in the league. So he was like, hey, mom. I want my brand back. And she said, well, no, you're going to have to, you know, pr- I don't know exactly the logistics of it, but obviously she wasn't willing Here's to just your allowance hand it over. Your yeah, <laughs> basically, like, I'll give you $20, Luca, shut up. I'm going to go make millions of dollars off your name. And it all got to the point where it seemed like it was affecting him on the court and in his game. And obviously you see his frustrations already boiling over from not getting calls and getting mad technicals to the point where he almost got suspended before Mark Cuban paid off Adam silver to get that technical rescinded. But I feel for the guy, you know, that sucks. Like being in litigation with your own mother over something that should be rightfully yours. Like maybe you were young and you made a poor decision. And especially when it's family, you you should trust your family and, and for her to just kind of do that. Like, I guess she's probably just trying to secure her own future, but if like, that's your son and like, you have a good relationship with him i'm sure he's going to take care of you and just the fact that you're not going to directly profit off of it is kind of kind of shitty but what I, I don't know if i said it but what i was getting at is i heard that he dropped the lawsuit and so hopefully I, I don't know if that was an attempt for him to get his mind back on basketball but it might be too little too late as we can see here it, it looks like from what i can tell is the thunder need to win against memphis and dallas needs to win their next two games otherwise they're just they're just toast so that's a tough that's a tough spot to be in and you can see the grizzlies they're up securing the two seed so i don't know what incentive they have to come out and beat the thunder it's not like they're battling for that position against the kings it looks like they securely have the second so i wouldn't be surprised if they sit jaw sit jaron jackson dylan brooks and just come out bare bones against the thunder who are still going to be trying to get in and the thunder aren't aren't a crap team. I mean, Shea Gilgis Alexander has been on a tear. Josh Giddy, of all people, is killing it. Um, Lou Dort,
3: Lou Dort. There you go.
0: ASU represent. But ah, it's crazy, Ian. While we have you here, though, uh, we're talking a lot about the Western Conference. So I want to take a peek over here at the Eastern Conference standings. Your uh, Brooklyn Nets and Mikhail Bridges are looking like they're going to be in the playoffs.
1: right? Yep. I mean, it's. Such a weird spot because you know the championship aspirations are gone, but somehow we managed to be better than a lot better than we thought we would be after losing Kyrie and and Kevin Durant. So, I think I can speak for every Brooklyn Nets fan when we say we're going into this with no expectations, every win is going to be exactly that a win. And it's just gonna be fun. <laughs> like I don't really know what else to say. It's just basically like you know. Let's just have enjoy a good, it, right? Have a good run.
0: Yeah, that's it. That's that is exciting. Like it, it almost reminds me. I guess not really. That's not really fair because we did go pretty far that year. But like just being like back in the playoffs is is pretty exciting. And and not having any expectations. It's like if you lose, you lose. But if you win, maybe the first round. Maybe the second round, who knows? But for my money, like there's only like three real solid teams in the East. And that's those three at the top, the Bucks, the Celtics, and the 76ers. And the 76ers are sh- really streaky. And the Bucks are starting to show some, some chinks in their armor as well. I mean, they can only go as far as Giannis can carry them. And he's getting the benefit of the doubt on a lot of these plays where he's just charging downhill, running into the defender and getting the foul call. I'd like to see some of that change because that's terrible basketball in my mind. If if the offensive player is allowed to initiate the contact, chuck up some garbage, and then be at the free throw line half the game, I, I really hope they take some steps in the offseason to address that. And I think they will, but I also am a pretty big, uh, what do you say, critic of Adam Silver, where I don't always have a lot of faith in, in his ability to be the commissioner of this league. Not to say he hasn't, you know, done the worst job, but there's definitely criticism to be had there. I should have, I should have had it in front of me. But did you hear that? Uh, I don't know if it's official, but they're talking about coming do it, like implementing the mid-season tournament next year for the NBA.
1: No, what what the hell is that?
0: Yeah, let me see if I can pull it up here. Ben, had you heard anything about that at all?
2: Yeah, I think it's. It sounds like it's their way to get people to participate or try to be drum up some more interest in like the mid part of the dregs of the of the uh, tournament when there is like that mid tier where there's like there may be people like at home over feast week or the start of like uh college basketball or over the holidays um where there is that chance to like hey people are at home let's make them watch
1: basketball Yo, I'm reading about it now. You know what this reminds me of? You you're, you know, in semi-pro, the, the Flint, Michigan Mega Bowl, <laughs> where, where they yes. just arbitrarily have a trophy and it's like a game that doesn't matter. That's how this feels.
0: Honestly, that's a fantastic analogy, because as you can see here, it's just part. They're just games that are going to be part of the 82 game schedule.
1: <laughs> it's just regular season games. It's so funny. I mean, uh, I'm all for it. Sure, I guess. Sure, right. Because, <laughs> I mean, like, players are the ones who decide relevance. I think I think the World Baseball Classic kind of proved that. Like, everyone is saying, like, oh, it's just an exhibition, yada, yada. When they get that excited, the fans will get that excited. So that's that's what it's going to boil down to, I
0: think. It's like bullshit bragging rights, so, though, right? Like, <laughs> For
1: sure, yeah. I mean, it doesn't matter at the end of the day, but...
0: I can already see the jokes where like the Lakers will win it and then just be terrible in the playoffs. And then it'll be like, Oh, Lakers fans, at least you were the mid season champs. Yeah, I,
1: I, I can, I, 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 if the Nets won it, I, I think I would, you know, pick on the player that won the best. And then like, I, I would do what I do with Joe Harris with the, with the three point contest champion thing. And just use that as like a a, to bolster and make them sound better all the time, even though it kind of doesn't mean anything.
0: Sure, right?
1: Yeah, just being like, "Oh, mid-season tournament MVP, Contavious Caldwell Pope." You know, (laughs) (laughs) you can do Uh, that. That that'll be the meme. I can see that for sure.
0: Why not? And I get what you're saying, Ben, about like if they especially if they do it around the holiday time, like maybe you'll get some more exciting basketball if they feel like they have something to play for, even if it's just a participation trophy at the end of the day. Um, Sure. Maybe we'll get some closer games, some exciting buzzer beaters. And I I didn't see there. Maybe I didn't pay enough close enough attention to the the tweet. Is it going to be by conference or is it going to be like intra-conference, like single elimination all the way through? I guess I guess we'll have to wait and see how that shakes out. Eh, gonna be gonna be interesting. Like sounds like there's only a couple games left. The play-in tournament, I think, starts next week. And then the uh, regular NBA season playoffs, or not at regular NBA season, the regular NBA playoffs start, I think shortly thereafter that. Let me see. Yeah, sorry, April fifteenth. Yep. So the play-ins on the eleventh, which will be next Tuesday. And then uh, the actual playoff games will start on the 15th. So uh could be a good opportunity for the Suns uh, not being in the playoff tournament to get like a week's rest going into that, uh, get all their guys fully healthy and maybe tape Kevin Durant's ankles 15 times before he steps on the court. But they're uh, losing to Denver tonight. And I don't think Denver is playing Jokic or Murray. So that's a bit concerning in my mind. We'll have to see how that one shakes out.
1: I did after, like, right after the Kevin Durant trade happened, I was wondering, like, who really should the Nets? Not sorry, I said the Nets. That's Freudian slip. Uh, it, the, who the Sun should be afraid of going into, you know, the Western playoffs? I, it's really just Denver. I think that's really the only team that I think is going to be contentious, you know, fingers crossed, barring any injury because injury is going to be their biggest competitor. But after that, maybe the nuggets, Um, I kind of see the, the, I kind of see the Grizzlies imploding. So I don't, I don't think that they're going to, I don't even think the Suns are going to see the Grizzlies.
0: No, I don't. I don't think the Grizzlies are built for for a playoff run right now. Obviously, Jaw's a talented player. Jaron Jackson's coming into his own. I could see the Kings maybe giving us a little bit of uh, a run because they've been on fire and they've beat us a couple times when I felt like they shouldn't. Yeah, we we do have Kevin Durant now, though. Where he's seven and zero currently as a son. That could be different after tonight. I obviously there's a whole quarter left. It's like that coming up on the end of the third. Looks like.
2: Yeah, you know, I, here's the thing. I, I will say, if he is on the roster, those those uh, losses count towards him.
1: So he's something in games played.
0: In games played. There you go. Asterisks. It's like that tiny asterix at the bottom.
1: I will say, the Kings are definitely in that same... I, I put them in the same category that I put Cleveland in on the East, where it's just... You, you don't know... They're they're unproven, but what that means is that we we don't really know what to expect to come from them in the playoffs. It's kind of a crapshoot either way, and both teams are pretty pretty deep. So I I have a hard time saying that like, oh, the Suns are gonna roll over the Kings, or you know, the Kings are gonna roll over the Suns. You just don't you don't know with them. You don't know what the Cavs. Both teams are our question marks. I think it's up to the basketball gods. Yeah, I <laughs> yeah. I agree. It
0: seems like there, if you, I don't know if you want to say like, it's because there's a lot of parody in the league now, or maybe just from my perspective, being burned in the past two years by the Suns, disappointing finals loss to the bucks, and then disappointing early playoff bounds by the Mavericks last season. But not to say I don't have, confidence or high hopes or expectations for the suns i still think they are have a very good chance of getting to the finals this year but they're one one series at a time we're gonna take it one series at a time and it starts with it looks like probably the clippers which in my eyes is a very manageable team they do have some talent obviously Kawhi, paul george i think he's healthy hard to say and russell westbrook's really been coming into his own on that team which is funny to say when he's like a what 34 35 year old player to say he's coming into his own, but he's been struggling you know, c-
2: coming in after uh, losing your entire confidence playing for the Lakers. And like that situation, like he is a player that really responds to all that negative criticism and like gets into his own head. And that really affects his game too. So it's like, I'm happy to see him coming in to his own, like once again, where you're seeing, he's like, Oh, right. This is the West that, or these are the flashes.
1: That we we know
0: and we love and that we've seen, right? And you I should. think.
1: Go ahead Sorry, in. It, I was gonna say for it, it should be a really good fit for him. Like you, you'd think. I know it was a slow start once he got there, but I mean, if you have Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, it's you're just opening up the floor for them. That's all you have <laughs> to do, really. You don't have to be the dude that you know dunked out of the goddamn arena back in 2013. No one's asking you to do that. Mr. Westbrook. That's true. Westbrook. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. It's
2: it's kind of like the the expectations of like people wanting you to be the superstar all time athlete, like and highest points point earner on a team, everything like that. And it's like a lot of it. I see similarities in that to Andrew Wiggins on the uh, Golden on Golden State, where he came in as a number one draft pick and bounced around from the Timberwolves and was like. Everyone called him a bust because he only averaged 20 points a game and 20 points, six rebounds, something else. And he's done that consistently every single game that he's played, where it's like, you know what, that's just what he does. And then you put him in a system and allow him to do that and not be the main source of points. It's like, oh, now you have a championship caliber team.
0: What's funny is I think – he, uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Ian. and he was originally drafted by the Cavaliers, and then traded for Kyrie Irving from fuck, where, Kevin Love. Where? But yes, oh Kevin Love. That's right. That makes sense. Okay, Kevin Love. Was it from the Timberwolves? Yeah, he they they
1: traded Wiggins. Wiggins was like he was lottery. He might have been number one overall. I don't remember. He was he was number one overall. Uh, yeah. Crazy. Yeah, so they traded the number one overall pick for Kevin Love, which arguably paid off. If you they got like a ring, they got a ring. I, I I don't know how many Cavs fans expected. That's the only reason I'm like, did it? And I I I think I heard that Cavs are gonna retire Kevin Love's number. Wow, uh, which is something. But <laughs> I, I think. I, it... I,
0: I think they probably just love the fact that he stayed there after LeBron and Kyrie both left and was somewhat productive. I think so too. They don't have many retired
1: jerseys. They have Zydrunas and Ilgaskis up there. So <laughs> sure, Kevin Love can be up there. They they need to fill up those rafters. Yeah. It's just, they need
2: decoration. <laughs> Here, here's the thought. I think that every uh, coach and or player that wins, that is part of a team that wins a national or a championship Should be in the Hall of Fame, no questions asked. Every coach you said, every every coach, every player that is on that team,
1: automatically admitted to the Hall of Fame.
0: Just the Cavaliers or any team? Any team. Hmm.
1: Would it Would it be all as individuals? So, like Matthew Dellavedova is in the Hall of Fame now because he, or or is it like the whole team as a unit is going into the Hall of Fame? As as
2: individuals, they all contributed as part of
1: that team. That's a
0: spicy meatball. Yeah, I don't know if I uh (laughs) can I don't know if I could swallow that one. Who who would not be included in that? Chris Paul? Yeah. Yeah. Well as of now yeah
1: (laughs) every
2: well I would say that every like you keep the normal like you have to be nominated and like have an amazing career and just this sum of work or you are part of a team that wins
0: championship.
2: I want. Maybe we th- can create a separate hall for
0: champions.
2: No, 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 no! One hall, one hall of fame.
0: Maybe a closet. I don't know. We we might have to break that one down a little bit deeper in, in the future. My chair is still broken, guys. Holy shit! The hydraulic just slowly sinks as I go, and I bought. I bought a new one on Amazon thinking I could just swap, swap out the hydraulic part, but it's like, so packed in there. It's like, there's no separating the base from the cylinder. It's, it's a mess. I need a new chair, long story short, but it's getting a little late there uh, in Texas, ain't it Ben? <coughs>
2: <laughs> Sorry. My, uh, my drink, it was a little stronger than I expected. Uh, Yes, it is getting to too about eleven. But you're wait. Are you tired of my takes already?
0: After that one, a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> wow. No, but we we still got a little bit of time here. We just we covered all the topics. We covered uh, the basketball tournament. A little bit about ASU. Talking about MLB. What's been happening there so far? And this this uh, NBA playoffs coming up. Is there anything else? Sports or pop culture, not politics related. Anybody wanted to toss out there?
2: You know the the NFL expansion to Europe uh, and like outside the US keeps looking more and more likely and more and more real. What are your ideal cities or locations for NFL franch- franchises to expand to, other oh, than London and Mexico City?
0: Okay, well, those were going to be my first two. Oh, I think and Canada and Canada. I, I would really have to see, like, what the appetite for an NFL team would be in these other countries, especially when you talk about Europe. Um, I think maybe, uh, like, Dublin, in an, an Irish well, football team? do I
2: have news for you? The NFL is going to be playing games in Germany. So, similar to what they're doing uh, next year, I think it's going to be, like, in Dusseldorf or in Berlin. Deutschland. Yeah. <laughs> Bayern Munich
1: American football team. I decided to look up uh, what country is ranked highest in rugby as of March 2023 and it's Ireland. So I agree with Dublin because I think that that's the easy easy transition to make. Hmm. New Zealand is third just because I I, and I picked that one as well just because I want to see really, really, really tired NFL players after that 20 hour flight or whatever it is, taking the field. They they go for like two weeks
2: anyway.
0: Yeah. They definitely, I think they would definitely have to figure out the logistics, but I I think it's possible, right? Like, because if you're the team that's like set up and stationed or whatever you want to call it in, like, say, London, I imagine you'd probably have like all eight of your home games in a row, and then you would come to the US and play for. Eight weeks against the American teams, rather than bouncing back and forth across the pond. Mm -hmm. But I think what, for what I've heard, like the big one of the biggest hurdles or obstacles in doing that is getting the players to buy in. Because if you're a guy from Alabama who played four, three, four years at Bama, then gets drafted to the London tea sippers or whatever the silly nannies, then. Uh, are you really going to want to sign that contract and go live in London? I mean, for some people, like, I think it, they'd be like, oh, yeah, that's great. Cool life experience. But for other guys, it's like I'm going to be away from my family, away from my country, a whole cultural sh- shock, if, especially if they've never traveled to Europe before.
2: Oh, uh, sir, how many zeros are on the contract? Uh, y- yes. Yes, I will. I will be taking my talents to London, England.
0: <laughs> you, you might not be wrong. You might not be wrong.
2: Well, I think the the thing is, like, uh, Ian, as you were saying, like, for, like, the logistics part of it, too, is that it would be a, from what I saw, it was going to be a, like, they would partner with a U.S. team. So they would, like, share the facility of, like, the Jets or the Giants or the Patriots, like, for practices and stuff as they were on their American tour before they would go and have their stretch of home games.
1: That makes sense. That makes a lot more sense.
0: Th- that's um, better. So they would have like a hub in America. So like they'd fly out to play in Phoenix and then fly back to New England for whatever. Yeah, I I for,
2: for for their like their stay or their downtime.
0: With gotcha. with that in mind, New
1: Zealand aren't they like historically like very dominant at rugby? The all the All Blacks, yeah, yeah. So I could see that being a really easy move over. It's just getting people. Chris, don't get racist. <laughs> He's just getting people on board with American football in New Zealand. That I think would be the hard part of it.
2: I I think it, I think it's it's there now. The thing that um, I would bring up is that do you guys know that rugby? There is a professional rugby league in the U.S.
0: I did not know that. I did not. So either. there
2: there are uh, there are multiple teams. I think there's like eight teams around the U.S. The Dallas uh, Jackals is is the name here.
0: Interesting. And they play
2: in the same stadium that the XFL, the Arlington Mavericks play, or uh, Renegades play in as well. Which, you know, I am uh, not a diehard fan of any Texas team except one, which is the Arlington Renegades.
0: (laughs) We're Vipers fans over here.
2: Oh, I'm sorry. You're cheering for the Vegas
1: Vipers, uh,
0: Hot okay. Shots forever. Oh, rest in peace, Hot Shots, man.
1: The New it, York Rugby team is called New York Rugby.
0: That's incredibly clever. I love it. They,
1: they got real lazy with that.
0: One. <laughs> well, all the it looks like all the rugby teams are on the on the East Coast. Ben, am I looking? There's at the a Seattle name? team. Oh, is there? It's not this uh USARL, is it? Is there another one? Yeah,
1: Major League Rugby is the one I'm looking at. This the
0: one oh, with the Jackals, MLR. Okay, so there's two now. Interesting. So is is rugby a growing sport in the United States then? Is that Is that going to become a thing? I I
2: think so. Why is my the keyboard just stopped working
1: for a second. It's always it been a niche thing that I, 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 think, you know, you always know somebody that likes rugby, but I, I I'm well, seeing I mean, more and more leagues pop up for sports that aren't the major four. Like I know, I, I keep seeing uh, lacrosse made. There's like a major league lacrosse now too. Oh, the the PLO. Yeah.
2: Oh, yeah, man. the PLL has like uh, backing from like barstool and stuff like that.
1: Yeah, I think I think it's on ESPN Plus. They show games or something because I, I it pops up on Hulu when I'm trying to watch hockey all the time. Which
2: that, that's like such a smart thing to do. It's like why why can I watch more rugby or professional lacrosse than them backs baseball or <laughs> or like Sun Devil football because just because of like the tv contract that they have like it's absolutely insane put it on streaming i don't care
1: it really is yeah it's it's always someone else's money so i don't care what the litigation is behind it if that's the right word just it needs to
0: be on on more accessible streaming sites yeah they i think they need to condense some streaming too like i would love to see um i didn't realize i was still sharing that um I would love to see like like an a la carte like almost cable provider where instead of having to buy like a package where they because they package together like these 60 channels but you only want 3 of them so then you got to buy the 120 channel package but you only want 10 of them it's like let me pick ESPN and NBC and TNT and all the channels I want to see and put that in a package rather than I have to have Hulu, Peacock, all these other ones like paying 60 to 120 dollars or more a month and then you still don't get to see what you want to see because the diamondbacks only stream through cox or whatever like
1: yeah that sucks it's really that for me it's the it's the regional streaming i think is the final piece of the puzzle the the a la carte thing i agree with you in terms of i hate that i have eight different streaming services yeah. it's super annoying. There's got to be a way to compile them. I love the Disney bundle. I, there needs to be more of that idea. And the only yeah. people that it would be hurting are the, pe- are the people who own the streaming services, and they're the ones making the goddamn
0: decisions. So. right, And that's the only reason the yeah. Disney one works is because Disney owns ESPN, they own Hulu, and they own Disney Plus, obviously. So yeah. do we just need... I think... <laughs> Matt and his crazy ideas, I think he suggested that ESPN just buy all the TV channels that ever existed and have a monopoly on it or whatever. Um, Sure. Sure, Matt. We can do that. As uh, as long as I can watch Diamondbacks
1: games. That's a disgusting solution, but it is a solution.
2: I'm disappointed that Matt wasn't able to come on tonight after being so active
0: in our uh, contributor group chat. Oh, I know. (laughs) He's a... He's one of a kind. My brother is. But we love him. We love him. He'll be back on the on these and we can uh, poke some fun.
2: You know, you know who we need uh to come on and give some sun sun's hot takes is Stephen Miller.
0: He's got a standing invite. I don't know if he's ever heard that, but
2: I you know. We'll we'll let him know. We'll we'll get him on. Let,
0: here. let him know. We could have the Miller brothers duel and I'll just moderate it or something. <laughs> you guys, so for you, me and my brother, like we disagree on a lot of things, but there's some sports stuff that we do agree on. How are, how agreeable are you and Steven on topics like that?
2: So like, I, I'm always a, like, I I think we 99% of the time, like we agree, like we, we love the same things, but when it comes, like we're both super passionate about college basketball. And I am of the firm belief that if you have an alma mater, if you went to a college or high school or are from an area, like you should support that team hands down. Like that if you you your favorite team growing up where your, fam- your family may have gone there or you just looked on, and you're like, oh, hey, I like that um, and saw that happening and that became your favorite team. Like, that's great. If you go somewhere, you should support your alma mater. But the meaning, I have to say, is that um, Arizona State is the team I, I went to. I went to Arizona State. I love, love it. We grew up down the street from the campus. I'm going to cheer for them every single time that they play. Steven also went to Arizona State. He also grew up down the street. I I've known this man my entire life. And yet, and yet... When Arizona State and Kansas played, do you know who he cheered for?
0: Kansas. I know the answer. Yep. Rock Chalk <laughs> every a year. Diehard,
2: He is a diehard Kansas fan. So I say, you know, you can have a favorite team, but when that team is playing your alma mater, you are cheering for your alma mater.
0: Yeah. No, I have to agree 100%. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, Ian, but I feel like it's kind of similar where, like, you'll you'll cheer for the diamondbacks to win having lived here for as long as you have now. But the second, the Yankees come to town, you're cheering for the Yankees. Cause that's you, that's where you grew up and that's who you've always been a fan of. Yeah,
1: absolutely. It's, you know, I go back three generations of Yankees fans. Um, I don't think I've ever shared this on the stream, but, um, growing up, my father worked for major league baseball. We used to get free tickets through his work all the time. Um, I've met several Yankees. Like he's had dinner with a bunch of players and stuff like that. It's, it's very much ingrained. It's a cult that I'm indoctrinated into. So there's, (laughs) I I never had a choice that like, I remember telling my dad as a kid that I like Mike Piazza and he pulled the car over. Um, (laughs) Yeah. So it's, it's exactly that when, when they, when the diamondbacks are playing anybody, I'll root for them when they're playing when the Yankees are playing anybody I'm rooting for them but when the Yankees play the Diamondbacks I'm going with the Yankees for sure exactly
0: that's something I think we can all agree on but that's the type of disagreements I want to bring to the stream so definitely definitely going to have Steven on here sooner rather than later I hope but fellas on that note I think that we're going to call it Uh, Ben Ian if you want to stick around after we close the show and say goodbye uh, we'll be back in the in the pre-show lobby. But to everyone else who is probably watching this back, maybe or I don't think anyone's watching live right now. Thank you so much for making it this far in the video. We're gonna be back next week with a pass the outlet. Me and Michael Benjamin talking basketball, uh, doing a little NBA playoff preview and uh, Suns season. Total season recap and, and some other basketball related topics. And of course, tune in every week to one of our live streams. Usually Tuesday through Thursday is our designated block. And you can always find out by following us at az underscore Vsp on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. Also Valley Sports Plug on Facebook and YouTube. But I want to thank Ben Miller and Ian for being with me this evening. I'm Chris Patrick and we'll see you next time. Peace.